201 with Vine Aurora, Aquarian Antics, Megalithic Structures, Aliens, this bizarre thing called life. Join the team as we get to know an Aquarian producer, synchronistic and overall cool dude, Vine. Welcome and well met. What up, dude? Thank you very much for having me on the show. Most definitely. I gave you a reading. Uh, a few months ago and as soon as we were talking and stuff i was just like oh you're cool um you're a cool musician like producer i thought we should collaborate and stuff we'll get into this but that's how i know you i don't even remember how we met but before we get down that rabbit hole uh this is 201 which reduces to three which is the empress card i fully embrace life's rich fecundity the empress is about everything is possible, allowing abundance into your life, tapping into the secret, uh, into the creative flow of the universe, starting something nurturing. Raphael, what card do you have? So this is the angel number 15, angel of purification. This angel is invoked against the non-believers, atheists. This angel's influence is linked to divine feelings, which are linked to purity helps to discover all that is useful and new, protecting the sciences and the arts. It is the comforting God, Nine of Swords, and the affirmation is, I trust in myself and the course I have committed to. So, Vinay, between the Empress and that angel, any syncs uh, or resonances? Oh, I just, uh, the, the Empress is always interesting, because, uh, well, in reverse, it's like creative block, so... In a way, she's also a muse. Empress's Bay. Uh, it's Venus rule card, right? Taurus kind of energy. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's, I mean, it's all the queens. So very fecund, very creative, flowy. Um, I think when I went, actually, ironically, the sync book um, is the synchromistic kind of group. And they went to Boise and I went with them and we all pulled a card for the week, uh, weekend or whatever. And I was the Empress card, ironically enough. So I've always had a connection with the Empress. My North Node, Midheaven, Venus, or in Taurus resonates for me. Uh, and it sounds like, uh, just, you know, creative, like go with the flow. Anything is possible. It's, uh, as a producer and kind of a thinker, it seems like you're willing to play with paradigms, um, bend rules, you know, kind of see what happens. Yeah, I like to make weird stuff. How Aquarian of you. So, I, like I said, I think I got to know you. I'm, I'm not even sure how I stumbled upon you. I, I have a feeling Molly Wright. Yeah, um, it was through the, the cult group she had on Facebook. Word. She's coming back on at some point. She's been on before. Molly's cool. Shout out, Molly. Um, yeah, she had an occult Pittsburgh group or something like that. And I think you were posting a bunch of there. And then at one point you posted a mix you did or something. And I thought it was really dope. Uh, I think I added you as a friend after that point. At some point, you hit me up for a reading, and I gave you a card reading and a chart reading. That was a lot of fun, a few hours of that over a few days. Yeah, I think. I was for a while. Yeah, that was dope. Um, but yeah, it seemed like you were pretty cool, and like you were the kind of person whose brain I wanted to pick. So I asked you to come on here, and we've been kind of scheduling, rescheduling for the past few months. I apologize, but here we is. Uh, how are you doing, bro? Uh, strange. The world is kind of moving a lot, so. A lot of moving parts. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Where are you holding it down right now? 
I am hanging out in Savannah, Georgia, right up in the marsh. Lovely. I'm sure it's much warmer. I'm in uh, Buena Vista, Colorado. We had a foot of snow and it's been like 10 degrees or something. So it's like, it's beautiful, but it's, uh, it's chilly. Um, so do me a favor and you can be as long winded or as short winded as you prefer. Kind of walk me through how you got to where you are. Like when did you start getting into technology, production, magic, synchronicity, occult, all that jazz? Well, okay. So I guess when I was like very young, I can't, I couldn't really pin it down. I would say 11 is when I really seriously started like going to the library and reading about ghosts. X-Files. Totally. I think I had a poltergeist when I was a kid. It was kind of interesting, but now whatever that is has transformed. And I also think I have a strong sense that when we see paranormal phenomena, we're actually us manifesting that into the world. Could you elaborate on your presupposition? Um, so I used to be really into some like reading crazy conspiracy stuff, which was totally entertaining because I think in the last conversation you were talking about um, just kind of playing with ideas and seeing where they go. And, um, oh man, where was I going? Sorry, I got a little, uh, you're cool. You are a third house son. I'm looking at your chart. <laughs> so it's like, oh yeah, you are a flighty little Gemini flavored Aquarius. So playful as fuck, but also like putting your finger in the electric socket and making poltergeists happen. You were talking about, I don't know, when you got turned on to weird shit at the library, but also conspiracy. This was the last episode, I guess. Well, yeah, let's start with the, let's start with the ghosts. Let's start with I mean, you. I guess people believe or disbelieve that. I don't really care. I don't even know if I believe it, but I've, I've observed things that were definitely very, very paranormal, like, you know, out of the normal, of course. <laughs> um, so, so when I was a yeah, little kid, I had something that would like open the doors in the room. And this this happened from when I was young until I was like in my early teens. And I would feel like something jump on the bed, um, doors would open, and just like odd things in the room would happen. And I really pushed that down. I ignored that it was happening because it was kind of like freaky. So I just just want to point out, you have 12th house Pluto and Moon in Libra. You have fucking ghost friends. Let's be real. Oh, yeah, totally. (laughs) So this started at an early age. The doors would be left ajar. So, like, when I was about 20, I got a cat, like a real cat. And my cat would play around. It, it seemed like it was, like, you know, a pretty happy cat. It was. There's nothing, like, odd about this cat. Uh, what was odd is I would hear two cats in the house. And I started to notice that the things that I observed when I was a kid were actually the exact same activities that the cat was doing. I realized I'd actually had some kind of like ghost cat or I was manifesting one into reality or, you know, I could be crazy. And it's something that's totally in my head. All of these things I feel like are totally potentially real. So that kind of gets into some trips where I started to learn more about ghost cat 
But one of the most interesting things about Ghost Cat that I can say is that um, I've noticed that little kids have been able to observe it and point it out. What do you mean? Um, like I've no- I've had two little girls tell me that there's a little cat following me around. When there was no physical cat. Yes. The kids have the shine. They're letting you know you you're the collector of, you know. <laughs> Ghost pets, I guess. Raphael, I'm kind of curious right off the bat. Like, what do you, he's kind of said some heavy things that are interesting already in the sense that he thinks ghosts and stuff are projections of us. What does Raphael, I'm kind of curious what your model of reality is. How would that fit into that? I haven't experienced ghosts. I've experienced DMT beings and weird shit like that, but nothing like where I'm like, the only time I ever thought I saw a ghost was in the HR Geiger bar in Switzerland. Uh, a candle went out when it shouldn't have. And I was like, there's something here, I think. Um, but other than that, nothing too crazy. Raphael, any thoughts? Well, I'm, as this is a back-to-back episode, I am, how should I say, uh, moved to ask if anyone's been listening to the last episode. So <laughs> in a sense, the answer to your question from my side would be, in a way, all of the above, though certainly there's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think he's crazy. I just, right, okay, I think I see what you're saying, where it's like it's all one thing in a hologram expressing itself, so it doesn't surprise you, I guess, that maybe ghosts are an extension of ourselves in a multidimensional way or holographic way. That's very Aquarian, Age of Aquarius stuff, not too, I mean, it's not too crazy. I guess it just takes a, I just watched a new movie. Since about a week, it's not too crazy to say that anymore, I hope. (laughs) Well, no, I was just about to say there's a movie called Soul, which I would highly suggest on Disney+. Plus. It's a new Disney movie. Um, it's amazing. I just watched last night. I'm going to rewatch it tonight. It's about, I mean, it's got everything that we've been talking about ghosts and personality formation and karma and purpose and just crazy shit. It's like a very surreal new agey kind of thing. And it's for kids. So, you know, the the kids who are watching this instead of toy story are going to be woke as fuck. So it should be interesting. Anyway, I ramble. Um, Vinay, continue i didn't mean to interrupt you but basically kid little kids were like shit there's like you know an invisible thing playing you know with your shoelaces or whatever yeah so eventually um as i got it pointed out to me i'd actually kind of could see it sometimes and it looked like a shadow basically what you would call like i mean you could almost you could almost say it was like a three-dimensional shadow it kind of was an interesting thing to try and observe it, I mean, the only reason that it really stuck out to me is because, you know, someone else was observing this. So it wasn't just me. Were um, you one to have like imaginary friends and stuff as a kid or uh, I, mean, I don't know. I'm not you're not getting judged here. I'm just kind of curious because it seems like you were willing to pursue it as a objective fascination more because verification was happening outside of yourself. Yeah, and I think this is where it gets into the thing I want to talk about, synchronicity. Is because I feel like I've had a strange chain of events happen where the universe is kind of showing me impossible things. Like, I don't know if you've ever had a coin land on its edge, but like weird impossible things where you're almost like, these are definitely glitches in the Matrix but it's also people I meet that are these type of glitches. I've totally met someone who was a true mind reader. 
um, they, we would joke about it. And um, I questioned them one time. I like, really, you know, tell me something about myself that I, you, I could, I would never have told you. And she was like, you know, when you were a kid, you had a crush on your cousin. And I was like, floored. Because <laughs> first of all, that was super embarrassing. But you know, when you're a little kid, you know, that's like actually not that abnormal now that I found out later. But it's also something I hadn't thought about for, you know, like decades before. Let alone probably told conversation. Yeah, no, I hadn't told anybody. And it's also something, you know, I was embarrassed about. And then I just forgot about eventually because it wasn't something I was like going to pursue. But so that leads up to this like conversation with this person where they pick out something so private and so intimate that's never it hasn't even been on my mind let alone had left my my lips as something i vocalized to anyone yet she pulled it out of literally thin air and to her it was really interesting talking to her and asking her how she does it and she says it's not really pulling things out of thin air it's like she said it's like a book that i can go into if i put myself there interesting um are you still friends with her or is this kind of like a drive-by meeting it got super intense um it's intense to hang out with someone that can read you that well so are you still friends with her we're kind of friends but we haven't chatted in a while i think uh just tired of bringing up your cousins i'm kidding (laughs) (laughs) no but i wanted to go ahead and be honest because i mean stuff like that is seems impossible to me because i think i feel like i grew up as a very logical person my parents were both into um medicine so you know they had a very like uh my mom is a pediatrician and my dad is was a surgeon so they're super practical (laughs) super practical well also you know they're kind of interesting because they're both um practicing vedic hindus and they're very deep into their religion Whoa, do they make you Vedic? Um, no, they, I mean, they just assumed I would be, but I, we went to temple. I've been to temple for many, many hours listening to mantras, um, over and over and kind of learning to meditate, not even intentionally, but just out of sheer boredom. <laughs> Secondhand smoke of chilling out in the Hindu temple, I guess. Um, what was That'd that all like? like- I mean, were you um, well, at all interested in like Ganesh and Vishnu, or like what? Like, did that shit just not make any sense to you? And you're like, whatever, cat ghost rules, screw that. Um, you know, I was more into GI Joe and stuff. <laughs> at least you're honest. Uh, I haven't been to India. Raphael has been, and I can tell that there's just kind of some quintessential thing behind India that is so different. I mean, obviously, right? Uh, it's not just like tasty food. <laughs> Um, it's like really kind of a potent magic. I think in a weird way, it's almost like, have you ever read Harry Potter or seen the movies? It's almost like India is this weird room of requirement or something. It's like some weird shit got made because they needed to make it and it stuck around, but only people who have access to it can check it out. I don't know. Um, like I said, I haven't been to India. It seems like something I want to do at some point, but these days kind of hard. So, uh, anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I find that fascinating. Not many people are raised by doctors who are Vedic. And, uh, you know, hanging out in temples a lot. Was Did you ever see anything crazy, like miracles or ghosts there or anything? 
No, it was quite normal. In fact, I feel like most, you know, like institutionalized type religious stuff is going to not, you're not going to see stuff like that. There's a lot of stuff like that. Um, I feel like it's sort of like Schrodinger's cat in a way where the observer, or you were talking about this earlier, where the observer affects the experiment. And so when you're in a room, and I think this is kind of interesting when you talk about like James Randi and stuff and his um, trying to stop, or not stop, but disprove psychic phenomena. But when people are in the room whose minds don't resonate on a frequency where they can pick up on these things, they're going, you know, which would be, you could call it a state of disbelief. They're actually going to... Resistance. The fact that they're, we're all powerful beings, right? So their resistance is actually going to stop it from happening. Everyone in the room is the magician, right? Did you ever read uh, Narnia books by any chance? yeah totally <laughs> dude okay the last battle spoiler alert here for anybody who hasn't read it but the final book in the whole series or whatever there's these people basically these dwarves go in i mean i don't know how fresh in your mind it is but basically there's this room and everyone goes into it and all of a sudden it's like people who some people see aslan in a feast and like everything's awesome and then the dwarves are like we're in a stable and it's hay and oh it stinks like shit in here and it's gross oh, i forgot about that yeah, I mean, basically kind of what we're talking about. It's like what you expect to see and what like your heart wants to see, not just like your brain necessarily, because your brain can kind of play tricks and perspective can shift, paradigm shift. But if you're like really don't want to believe something, you're not going to believe it probably. Raphael, I'm kind of curious what your thoughts on that. We tend to be like, you know, belief creates reality. It's like, what does disbelief do? Well, it stops reality from happening. You know, I think the, <laughs> the, the commonly known example, as I, I understand, is Jesus, like going back to his home village and he can't do any miracles because everyone just knows him as, you know, baby Jesus, who is not. A He's the local paper boy. Adept, He's yet, not exactly. a <laughs> So there's certainly effects on that. And of course, in the show, in the Wizard of Oz shows, we also talk about this uh even in the, I mean, because this is actually what I was thinking about, Binet, when you said uh, things that supposedly can't happen. So Brian, with whom I'm doing the shows, who's also created those angel cards I'm reading now. He's um, also an Aquarius, I should say. Shut up. Yeah. And uh, one of the things, though, it's not, you know, like the main thing to parade about, but it's relevant, is he can do what is called elemental effects. So, uh, you know, lighting a candle to say something very simple. And or or spinning a rod, you know, um, and these are things that are yeah very much possible. And uh, although what it certainly requires, because we've been talking a lot about it, he's been explaining the process of getting into it and learning it. It does take you know some focus, and it does take certainly the overturning of your own belief, and it also does take, in a sense, the uh, we just talked about Castaneda and joyous forbearance, so I guess that's also part of it. But ultimately, it's in a sense about, how should I say, negotiating with or appeasing or in a sense subduing your own inner critic. Uh, that's the real threshold because even somebody else could show this an effect to you, like something you say is impossible, lighting a candle. Then you could be like, oh, I just saw something impossible. So there is, you know, the belief, the threshold has shifted a bit. But then it still takes lots of effort to potentially or just a reformation of your belief system to be able to do that. And another example was that he, as part of his students, 
was asking, oh, please, can we come to your house with my girlfriend? Because she's not believing in this stuff and I really want to show her. And he did all kinds of tricks and like awesome stuff. And she was just like, oh, I'm being tricked. You know, like, where's the camera and where's the something? And, you know, so then you literally can't see it or your will, logical mind will create whatever excuse or mask it if you're just not able to handle that yet. But the ultimate truth, in my view, of course, is everything is possible. And it's just a matter of what you actually can believe uh, is possible and how great you really can be. So to that effect, I'm kind of curious, Rafael, if you think that um, this gets tricky because it's like, are they only allowing them, how do I put this? Are they at a place in their spiritual evolution or whatever, their soul evolution, that they are not, I mean, in the Bible it talks about like you have baby milk when you're a kid, you get steak when you're older. Like, does, is this like good that people disbelieve? Like they're not ready? Do you think of it as like a personal obstruction and a, a resistance against the best way possible for everybody? Or how do you look at, like if someone's like, this is bullshit and doesn't believe, does how much of that is like a a willful ignorance versus like security for their psyche not to shatter or whatever? That's a good question, and I would only assume this can only be decided on a case-by-case basis. However, the great thing upon understanding these ideas is that it really, fortunately, in a sense, doesn't ultimately matter what others believe. It really matters what oneself believes. So I have the beholder. Yeah, so here it's never really about uh, thinking, oh, the world, even though I would say that, you know, a more, how should I say, enlightened understanding of universal law and metaphysics certainly would, you know, maybe even be the golden key, you know, to ideas, whatever world peace and all of that, or just unity and diversity and all of those things. However, in terms of individual process, it's never about proselytizing because as we just heard last show, if you truly are the center of the universe, then it truly only matters what you believe. If belief is the code that constructs holographic reality as we understand it. Lene, I'm kind of curious. Uh, you can keep going on. I didn't mean to go on a side tangent there, but I'm always interested in Raphael's thoughts. Uh, and we didn't talk very much last episode, which is fine, but um, go ahead with what you were saying in terms of uh, mind-reading friends or any kind of weird paranormal shit that kind of turned you on. Oh, wow. Okay, so that... I think that was the beginning where I really got into the occult because I started questioning, um, you know, just like what reality was and what was, you know, potentially possible. Um, I don't think, you know, what's really interesting is I feel like a lot of people get into a cult to try and like manipulate to make some outcome in their favor. and Some Crowley shit. It's like my will be done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think it's I just got in there I wanted to put my hand in the fire to see if it was hot <laughs> did your parents as uh, more Hindu kind of thinking did they believe that we're in a dream or how does that work and uh, I mean I'm just kind of curious I mean I guess you don't know exactly their beliefs entirely but I'm wondering if they were like open to mystery with a capital M because I know there's occultism within Hinduism like there's you know a certain sects of priests or whatever like kind of chilling on the ganges trying to get dead bodies to resurrect them or take their chi or whatever the fuck like there's weird shit going on and i mean um, another and, interesting uh, question would be how come or what was their preference in terms of choosing to be for example a surgeon rather than being let's say an ayurvedic uh, 
nutrition or something like this. And I know so you can only speak on their behalf so much, but go go ahead and try. Get in their heads if that's you can. Pretty, that's pretty funny. My mom, one of my cousins is a uh, Ayurvedic. The person. cousin? One, a cousin. Of I'm many, just going to tease you about this always. I don't really care. My mom is a traditional, or I guess a Western trained uh, pediatrician. And my cousin is a uh, Ayurvedic pediatrician. And they basically won't talk. <laughs> that's okay. hilarious. Okay. Basically, I was just wondering about it in terms of if, because especially in my view, of course, especially when we talk about medicine, it very, I mean, for me, immediately becomes a spiritual topic, actually. So that's kind of why I was asking. What's because you said your uh, parents kind of dragged you to temple, and so that's why I'm asking it. Uh, yeah, so that's an interesting conversation. Um, that's definitely where I learned how to meditate. Um, and not intentionally. It was literally you were in a room full of people chanting. It's not like um, it was appropriate to do anything else but to just kind of sit there. And so I would, you would I guess, learn how to... Then I would just call it daydreaming. But as as I've had psychedelic... Blown up. Um, sorry. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Um, you know, as I've had some psychedelic experience and stuff, now I would call it astral projecting. During I, temple I, sessions? Yes, which I, you know, I think is the point that's supposed to happen there. But I, you know, I don't know uh, Hindi, and even if I knew Hindi, the mantras that they're chanting are not even in Hindi. Um, they're in Sanskrit which is another language completely. So it's kind of like or, um, Catholicism where, you know, uh, the prayers like are Latin, in another yeah. language. Well, I think the part of the point of, I mean, I'm Christian, I'm, I'm coming from a Christian background and I've always laughed at the fact that like praise and worship and all this stuff is intended to get us into a certain mental state, biological state, a trance state, um, obviously kind of mantras and chants and kind of zoning out, like it's going to lend yourself more readily to, transformative experiences but your moon and pluto being in 12th house libra it's like if you hang out with other people and they're doing weird shit you might actually like have magic happen i guess that definitely seems to happen so i don't want to uh talk about your parents the whole time i just find it curious because it's like they're doctors but they drag you there but they won't talk to the ayurvedic person it just seems funny uh ontological kind of <laughs> jenga ish situation oh, there's going a lot on. of irony going on well, you turned out all right, so it all pans out. But um, um uh, I guess all right. I, I think you're cool. So um, when okay, so do you you kept going to the library. You started getting into the call. You had I didn't want to cut you off. You had an out of body experience. You could talk about these experiences. You could talk about maybe some of the books you were checking out. Whatever's clever. Um, talk about out of body experiences. I guess that's kind of an interesting topic. Um. I feel like the most powerful ones I've had have not been on any hallucinogens, which was pretty interesting. Go into that. I've had a, a, an astral projection out of body thing once that was totally sober, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. But uh, go and Raphael. I don't know if you have. I don't know if I know if Raphael's had an OBE. 
have you? It's a matter of definition, really. Just like uh, Vinay kind of pointed out, I think oftentimes everyone in a sense, especially as a child, I, I don't think you cannot not fam be familiar with uh, astral traveling, astral projection uh, called daydreaming or, you know, dreaming at night, which is again, astral projection, channeling, all of that. I, I don't Magic. think anyone is excluded from those processes. It's just then later on, how do you piece it back together? And uh, so out of body experience, I, I could say now, sure, to me, it was always like, okay, what does that mean now? But there certainly have been times when I definitely felt like my locus of awareness is at least simultaneously also somewhere else outside of my body. But many different so-called psychedelic experiences would contain that element or could contain that element. Yeah, I feel like the differences between the dream world and the psychedelic world in some ways are are very are very minor. Yes, yeah, so the idea just to point it out would basically be you just in a sense raise or modulate your frequency a bit or in a certain direction and all these kinds of tools including dancing and meditation are basically geared to bring you there and uh, yeah seems pretty, it's pretty simple to me. They actually talk about this in the Soul movie. I'm saying you guys should watch uh, this new Disney movie. They like they go into the like kind of um, phenomenology of what being in the zone is, like athletes, musicians, whatever. And it's like what we're talking about. It's like you can kind of go between. And they were kind of saying like it's an astral dimension between. It's not really heaven or anything, but it's like between like this hyperdimensional space and like Earth. It's like the in between space. And I think that liminal space is where dreams are somewhat. It's kind of hard to blanket statement this stuff because some dreams are like, oh, I like a fucking big vegan pizza and now I've got indigestion and I'm dreaming about this. Or I just saw this image and it, my subconscious is processing it. Sometimes it's the astrology, you know, full moons and stuff like that. Um, sometimes it's maybe other places, collective playgrounds, so to speak. Uh, I'm always curious, like when I'm dreaming about like childhood friends, I'm like, were they there or was that my projection of them or – was this like a fractal shard of them? And, you know, it just gets tricky really quick. Anyway, Vinay, go for it. Well, I was actually curious. To, um, have you ever had a precognitive dream? Uh, not that I recall, Raphael. Yeah, I'm thinking. So, I nothing very explicit that I could remember right now. Although I would say that there have been at least parts where later on I was like, oh, there was a connection. But I can't say anything grand or specific now. So, Vinay, go ahead. Okay, so I've had lots of precognitive dreams. I would probably say on the order of a couple dozen. Um, most of them are, it's almost the same situation every time. Um, I'm just in a group of friends usually. Sometimes it's like coworkers. But we're in a circle, either sitting or standing in a circle, having a good conversation. Um, so it's not like I'm learning lotto numbers or anything. I'm just getting a glimpse into the future. And it's usually, you know, like, I guess to say two to six months before the actual event happens. And then uh, basically I get what you would call deja vu, extreme deja vu right before it happens. And I know exactly what's about to happen because... Right. I'm sorry. Start to remember the dream as I piece together where I'm at and kind of who's around. 
And first of all, you should start tweaking that shit for lotto numbers, bro. Let's like let's like focus, <laughs> like man, make it so. Um, it's funny because now that I'm thinking about it, I had one. I was in Honolulu and Waikiki, and I was napping before a gig. Um, we live next door to this bar where we played late night, like twelve to two a.m. sets or whatever. And uh, it was like eleven thirty, and I was like, I'm gonna take a quick power nap. I've had a long day at work, Starbucks or whatever, and I'm like, we're gonna nap before this gig. And I remember. And I think you guys have both done enough psychedelics that you kind of understand what I mean. But it was like I closed my eyes and I was like in a very technicolor space that felt more like DMT vision or something. Like it wasn't normal. It was almost like, you know, chromatics yeah. that aren't normal. And I was like, oh, sh-. And I, but I kind of traveled downstairs to this bar where I was going to play. And I saw this chick at the bar and then I snapped into my body and was like, what the fuck? And I was like, if this chick's down there, I just like saw her. Or whatever, kind of like what you're saying, but there was nobody there. So I was like, oh, oh that would have been so awesome. I was like, oh, uh, free drinks. Give me free drinks. It was the worst. I used to get free drinks and play. So by the end of the set, I'm just drunk. <laughs> it was like kind of funny. Bad times, good times, whatever. Good times, bad times, as other one would say. Um, anyway, so uh, tell us a little more about maybe some of your astral projections, visions. I am kind of curious about some of the modes of magic i think you're more you take it more seriously i'm not i'm not saying you're like a thelemite but it's like i think you take it more seriously than just like a layman uh i i yeah i do a lot of i guess you would call it chaos magic but i think meditation itself is chaos magic so (laughs) just like zoning out making a song to me where you get out of your head is a pretty intense form of being in the astral realm without actually projecting or having intentions or really going anywhere. You're just floating. Disassociating. Being a vessel. It's it's almost like possession for the music. Oh, it definitely feels that way. Uh, It doesn't, I mean, sometimes I've I've written a lot of songs and sometimes, you know, you're sitting there and I'll write a song in like 10 minutes, which is a very short amount of time to come up with a whole thing. But it just comes out. It just flows out. And you're like, I don't know if I thought about that or it just, I was there while it happened. I play a lot of improvisational music, guitar and stuff. And that's how I feel. I mean, I, 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 there's certain skills that make it so you can tune in to mechanics that allow magic to occur, if that makes sense. So it's like knowing yeah, a scale, yeah. you know, makes it so you can play the scale. But then at some point it feels like, I, and I have 12th house um, Mercury and Mars conjuncted cancer. So it's like, I mean, channeling is a strong word. Raphael actually does that, but I would say at some level, and it gets semantic really quick. Like we're all channeling, sure, don't not to like overgeneralize it, but it feels like sometimes I step aside, and there's just like a flow that kind of goes through, and it doesn't really have a personality, but it's like my joy manifesting to witness, and it's I mine is a strong word. It's like joy or curiosity manifesting in another form through me that I can watch and it it's fun to be surprised I guess I mean you kind of get what I'm saying oh I feel like I definitely surprised myself a lot where you're like <laughs> I don't even you know I didn't even remember some of the times you're like I didn't even know I felt that way right now so when did you um I'm kind of curious about production and music and stuff when did you start getting into that um, I started playing with computer music when I was like 16 or 17. Um, but I was just playing with like weird like MS DOS programs like Fast Tracker and some other weird stuff. Um, I think I've had like the first version 
of Reason, which was Rebirth. I played with that a ton. Um, and that was like something that gave me a lot of peace. I was like pretty depressed and making music definitely seemed to allow me to disassociate and ignore the stuff. Actively imagine is how I put it. I got into music because of depression. So I totally understand like basically, and this is weird because it's not like magical, but it is kind of weird. And it's, I'm not going to say ghost, but basically I was having a clinical depression in seventh grade. And all of a sudden I was playing Final Fantasy seven and like dropped out of school and all sorts of shit like that. Right. Like heavy, heavy biochemical, like what the fuck is life? Give me a purpose. God moment. Um, for a seventh grader. That's Oh, school. My school was designed by a prison designer. (laughs) So it's like the prisons anyway, but yeah, it was like literally a jail. Yeah, I know. Uh, and basically I walked into my, I felt called summoned called, I don't really know, led by the spirit to my dad's closet where he had a guitar, pulled it out, sort of fiddling and, that's kind of where that started um you know so i totally understand in a sense where it's like catharsis um in a sense also productive it's almost like a playground that 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 heals or something like that it definitely seems to i don't know i feel like a much happier person after after music after how much i put into it just enjoying it i like sharing with people but it's really weird music so (laughs) Not for everybody, kind of thing. I got, I hear you. Trust me. Um, so, wh- I'm kind of curious again more about like occult stuff. We'll talk about music, occult, sync, whatever the fuck you want to talk about. But I'm like, what were some of the model? Like, did you go? Okay, I'm gonna do ceremonial magic, sigil magic. Like, when did you ever do any of those kinds of things? You say chaos magic. I know uh, Grant Morrison has a really compelling 45 minute kind of speech he gave at a convention or something, where he's like screams at first. Uh, have you seen that? What I'm talking about? Yeah, that one is amazing. It's yeah, he's like, I'm coming up on drugs. <laughs> so Scottish <laughs> and shit. It's like, what the fuck? This guy is chaos. He's amazing. Have you read The Invisibles or Flipped? I have. Pretty cool. I have it. I started it. I was eating a lot of acid at one point, probably right around the time I came upon it, Raphael, actually, 2014 or so. I was eating acid once a week, and I was like heavily in afterglow modes. And I got to this place where it's like, I mean, it's dark, right? And I was reading it, and I was just like, I don't know if I can handle these like transdimensional demon things. Like, I'm doing psychedelics. I was getting to a place where I was like, not okay with looking in mirrors because I thought I could something would jump out or something. Paranoid thoughts. Don't ask. But um, I have it, and I started rereading it the other day or like a few months ago, and it's got an energy to it. Um, I can't quite explain it. It got to the uh, a little past um, the Marquis de Sade time traveling shit. Um, in the first kind of sections of the book, I guess, or comp- compilation. And I was just like, this is triggering things in me that I'm not sure I'm comfortable with right now. And they're just darker. So I was like, I don't know if I need to be focusing on this. But uh, yeah, if Raphael, I don't know have if you've you, ever seen this. You, it was like the Matrix, you, pre-Matrix you, shit. Did you, have you seen the, um, in, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Happy, the show Happy? I have not, HBO. but I know what it is. I've seen a preview of it. So it's like an invisible friend, kind of hallucinatory magic friend. Or yeah, whatever. yeah, we were kind of talking about that earlier. <laughs> Except it was pretty interesting. There's a lot, of, a lot of. So that's Grant Morrison too, <laughs> and um, oh man, there's some really interesting themes in there, especially when it comes to like the weird crossovers into whatever is going on in the world as far as pedophilia and magic really it's pretty weird it's 
it's that didn't surprise it's definitely worth checking out. checking out. I'll check it out. But it seems almost like a Quentin Tarantino of magic where it's like, this is like ultra violence <laughs> and just like a certain vibe where I'm like, if I do too much of this, I'll just feel grimy is the best way I could put it. Like I'll do a little, I'll watch a movie, but I, you know, if I start thinking about Pulp Fiction being like, there's a guy in a gimp suit just chilling in a fucking basement. Like that'll fuck with my head. Yeah. There's a lot of creepy scenes in there where you're just like, I don't know. I know that goes on in the world, but I don't want to like dwell on it. But I mean, it does. Like, it's not like we should face away from like human trafficking and stuff like that. Well, it kind of correlates to what I was saying earlier, where it's like, I don't know if my fragile intellectual mind is in a place where it can cope with that. Being aware of facts is one thing, and then like, well, well staring at it is another. Say, yeah, Jim, Raphael. Jim, everybody strap in. But Vinay, then I'd be curious because you mentioned chaos magic and so on, which, of course, inherently in a sense implies that. At least there are no strict dogmatic rules. How do you then for yourself process this whole idea of, let's say, left-hand path, right-hand path, positive or negative polarization when, let's say, dealing with magic or the occult or manifestation abilities? Well, see, okay, so from my perspective, those are just paths to the same thing using different techniques but from a chaos magic for my from my experience so i can't speak for anyone else who does chaos magic which i, I mean i don't even calling it chaos magic is weird because i basically feel like you should take what your intuition tells you and go with it and if it gives you some kind of information on life or answers some question for you then it's a it's a tool and you can continue to use it or you could ignore it or you could just live your life but um as far as paths i do think karma is involved i think karma is a big deal and a lot of chaos magic magicians or even magicians in general don't believe in karma don't operate without will yeah (laughs) i think that's pretty destructive path um but that's just from my personal experience but you know that could be me manifesting it because i have this viewpoint and we were kind of discussing that earlier like we're powerful magicians so our viewpoints are manipulating the reality the reality around us so even choosing to have one of these viewpoints will manipulate what you see in the world right which is why like discernment's critical it's tricky because there's a play between like be open-minded enough to play with things but don't like, you know, I mean, there's this oh, whole yeah, yeah. Christian show called McGee. I mean, it's a garbage in, garbage out. Is this kind of mantra. Where it's like, if you see, like, if you focus on, like, cannibalistic pedophilia, it's like, that's going to start becoming a reality tunnel in a way. Um, and it's funny because I'm kind of curious. Crowley's whole thing was do, you know, do what thou wilt, obviously. But I think Raphael, given the whole Bashar thing, it seems like that minus the whole, like, I don't know, kind of like Nietzschean will to power negative like negation uh, negative kind of um baggage in a sense because it seems bizarre it's like do what you want like you're doing what you want anyway be conscious okay, of then, it. then jim yeah to, to anyone not having listened for hours on end to bashar i shall repeat one of the main statements that is kind of like the oval or even the reasoning partially at least or the official agenda as to why for example bashar is communicating with us or why there are any, you know, positively polarized saints of any religion or any type. And so the idea is that we understand that each and every 
individual existing, you included, has the inherent capacity to experience any reality and any <clears throat> desire they contain without the need to having to hurt themselves or anybody else in the process. How does one define hurt, I guess? Because I feel like we damage each other and ourselves subconsciously and unconsciously like most of the time. That's what like life seems to be, people hurting each other without realizing what they're doing. Well, then I'd say it's about, you know, that's part of the process, learning what that means. But ultimately, in a very simple sense, if you just apply something like the golden rule, especially if you really understand that you are the center of the universe, just like everyone else is the center of the universe, and you treat them the way you want to be treated in terms of empathy and so on. I mean, that's, that's the process. And where the lines then are getting drawn exactly, I guess, again, can only be decided on a case by case basis. Right. I think that's a good like methodology for general participation with others and self but it seems like there's like he was saying karma there seems there's dynamics like you can be really nice and stuff and all this like i don't know how you like what if this is a weird way to put it what if somebody's got you know like rafa you've got r negative rh negative blood let's just say you've got reptilian blood and you run into somebody who's got a lot of Pleiadian aspecting or whatever me too oh you're an rh negative type o negative shit bro i'm surrounded my fi my fiance's one <laughs> like i don't know what it is like i attract you guys like fucking piranhas or something i don't get it but um because i'm not i'm o positive but um in any event aliens like you aliens dig me i i think it's the 11th house energy in the aquarium i mean my seventh house is jupiter and aquarius it's gonna be a good year for me uh jupiter's in aquarius now so i'm gonna have a jupiter return it's gonna be like really interesting um in any event i'm digress uh what i was kind of saying though rafael is like it almost like we were just talking to jamie jennifer about like you know unifying principles of like this no, no matter where you look from this works it feels like there's still layers that like humans aren't even fully capable of understanding like karma like that where it's like you have holographic aspects that are playing out a fucking story I don't independently think oh, go ahead. like i don't think it's actually something we can ever actually attain now like we are a bacteria trying to comprehend humans in that way but that's a very interesting perspective especially again i have to refer back again to episode 200 in terms of considering <clears throat> the scale and all that i can say is that we certainly cannot understand it if we don't believe that we contain the capacity to understand it. And I'm perfectly certain that to the degree that it is relevant for us to do so, we are more than capable of doing so. Uh, it's it's interesting. Because I basically, it'd be cool as fuck. It reminds me a little of the last Indiana Jones, the shittiest one, never watch it, the one with like the crystal skull. Um, <laughs> basically, this lady wants to know all the secrets of the universe or whatever and goes to this crystal skull, skull touches it and it burns her brains out basically and i'm not saying i don't know sometimes this is getting into the icarus flying too close to the sun i'm not saying it's impossible for us to understand multiple levels of gnosis um but then again i don't like some things are maybe phenomenologically happening in multiverse senses multi, like holographic senses like oh i have a plating aspect right now making peace with a bunch of reptilians we'll just say for example like my fiance you guys whatever um that's cool but i'm not conscious of that but it's still working out through my time stream or whatever if that makes sense and but i i like what you're saying rafael um i just i don't want to you know i don't even know what i'm trying to say it seems well, too good to be true 
why and again i, anyway, I just want to just... point out on a basic level and this is really fundamental <clears throat> if you don't just as we mentioned before if you don't believe you can do something you're going to have a really hard time so as a basic even most pragmatic view is just that you have the basic capacity to do anything that you have a desire to do that's basically also amongst others bashar lore and the other part is that if i don't know something well i'm glad my higher self and some other parallel aspect of myself is perfectly taking care of that however if i don't believe that and i'm worried all the time oh i have to fix this and that and it's going to be really stressful if i have a lot of trust whilst of course you know reading the signs and reacting or responding in a positive manner then it's going to be quite easy comparatively speaking makes sense i said let's take a quick music break and talk about more weird shit like sinks and magic uh kind of plumb the depths Vinay, if you have any kind of concepts uh you want to throw out feel free rafael what are you going to play there's nothing i'm going to play it's your song and, and his ah cool cool so uh this is a holy ghost song called a call i know and i hear i think i thought it was kind of funny oh. synchronistically because it's like oh i know and I hear. Anyway, just check it out. They're cool uh, Jewish duo from Brooklyn. Groovy shit. Welcome back. That outro little bit um, of the phaser or whatever sounded like a ghost cat to me. Uh, Rafa, I think you have Vinay on mute. That is true indeed. There you go. Hey. He's back. Hopefully you enjoyed that track. That's off one of their earlier stuff. It's really groovy kind of. Uh, I think they're on DFA records, like with LCD sound system and stuff like that. So cool shit. Um, in any event, where would you like to take this conversation, sir? Um, where, where you were saying we were talking about the Empress. So uh, how can we get back around that a little bit? The Empress is about establishing something that's nurturing. Uh, this might tie into megalithic structures like the Cradle of Civilization, Mother Gaia and Sophia combined being this empress kind of like, I'll build you in my womb and give you information that helps you in life kind of thing, like uh, equips you or empress kind of energy. It's like you, anything. I mean, the whole point of that first thing in the card is like anything is possible. Everything is possible. So if you have that kind of mentality, open source, anything is possible. Um it's going to be a lot more magical than a life where it's like, I'm finding what's not possible, you know, like a, a cynical kind of reality, I guess. I definitely feel like anything is possible in many ways, except for comprehending the universe itself. <laughs> it's hard. Cause it, it feels like we have limits on perception just so we don't fry. I mean, you guys have done psychedelics. It's like when certain chakras are opened or certain perspectives are altered, it can be overwhelming. I mean, I think Terrence McKenna was, or, you know, Joe Rogan or somebody was like, you know, we can't just be in DMT mode the whole time. Like to even propagate and have children, like, you know, survive as a species. Like yeah. we have to have, you know, like functionality and be like, all right, I need to eat. I need to sleep. You can't just be like, well, the machine elves are always talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> gets weird. Definitely gets weird. So you had said something to the effect that you wanted to talk about megalithic structures. What about that did you want to talk about? Well, there's definitely a lot of evidence around the world. I think now. Have you guys seen? Have you guys seen the Brian Forrester videos on YouTube? He goes around Peru and Egypt. He takes very high quality videos, and he tries not to lead the audience too much. He, he definitely um, says his opinion, but it's not like look what it is. Video camera. Yeah. 
he looks at he, no. he basically has an opinion that you know there th- this is there's evidence of advanced ancient machine machine work like stonework that's from machinery um all over the world and he goes around actually and takes tours and but the videos he produces are really well done he's very eloquent and he really does let the videos speak for themselves which i think is is like kind of refreshing with you know, the state of media right now it's less agended it's not like believe this or you're an idiot we're just like what are you like this is how i see it i guess like this is crazy well then for anyone willing to go one step further because i can i believe i'm not perfectly sure but you brought this guy up and i was just checking out his youtube and what's his name i may brian with an e forester and yeah he's doing these tours and i believe just like one two days ago i watched a video by john levi one of my favorite channels who does like documentary style reset research let's say also looking at architecture and all kinds of strange things in history and he's basically showing this well it literally looks like a molten city and recounts the story that supposedly Genghis khan within the official framework this guy should have uh, you know kind of back then with horses and sticks or something brought that city down to that shape which is you know just impossible it looks much more like an energy weapon or plasma discharge or whatever or a mud flood or something else but nothing that you would do with swords but and i'm just checking this guy has black hair and he looks a bit different let's see maybe it's another guy but anyways so it's great always to with, watch um, out these things evidence of you know like catastrophe there's mahindrajaro in india that has uh evidence radiation? Well, it looks like it was it yeah radiation and the weird desert glass they found there i am abreast on enough ancient aliens stuff to know that i don't i don't binge ancient aliens but it feels like a lot of reality has gone differently than we've been told but in order for us to not freak out and people that maybe could not see things in a certain way right maybe they were refusing to see certain things a certain way um yes. never you know they got burned to the stake or whatever they did you know uh and then i guess now we're kind of because this it's tricky to me i don't sometimes i'm like oh people are human and people believe what's you know especially post-scientist scientific revolution it's like we're trying to like get like to empirical basics if you want to put it that way so it's like you know mystery and wives tales and x-files and all this stuff people tend not to talk about that because it's disconcerting to the empire and the model and you know what i mean it's like it'll fracture it took a long time to build this is one thing but then Raphael has me thinking sometimes that it's way more nefarious and it's like georgia's guidestones type shit and i'm like what the fuck is i going think on? it's a little bit more nefarious all right just, well, just maybe to point it out in a most simple way once again so it's never really about you know specific politics ideologies it's always about this idea of positive or negative polarization which then again translate self-sovereignty and empowerment or any group of any kind believing for whatever reason it must or wants or whatever to control another and then and my kind of issue with this is that this is not just about you have historical referenced quotes about secret societies by prime ministers and so on and letters and you know such mountains of evidence uh, that it's incredible but even that today a recent interview i saw somewhat recent with ron paul the libertarian congressman you have i guess a republican officially whatever and he said that i actually follow him right i gave him a donation back in the day on my guitar case it says ron paul is our last hope from 2012. good on you you. we're good good on you so definitely a guy that's in in a sense 
certainly honest and a great contrast to most other guys sitting around there even today. Um, but now I, of course, totally spaced on the point I wanted to get at. Um, yeah, like, so, sure. yeah, it's, it's about, it's about no, not that, but it's about, uh, yeah, freedom or suppression. And that if you want to know if it's nefarious or not or whatever, but he's even saying he spoke with congressmen of different parties and they said, yeah, we agree with many things, Ron. This was an interview on Valuetainment, actually. He was doing this huge interview channel. And the congressman replied to him and said, yeah, you're, you're, you're right on these issues and we do this in this legislation with you. But on these and these points, we don't agree with you because we basically think people are stupid and have to be controlled. And this, again, ties back to Edward Bernays' propaganda, where it is perfectly described on the very first two pages. Everyone, please just read that. It's publicly available. And that's just the way it is. And that's a certain mindset. That's just being pursued by. Wasn't that like priest classes? Like have existed further than Bernays? Yes. I was just thinking about folks the Atlantean being like, "You guys are shitty little northern cavemen, and I've got to escape Atlantis, but I'll show you some magic. But you guys got to stop throwing your spears at me really quick, so I've got to control you." Like it seems sometimes like it's been necessary, and that I mean, I'm not saying you're being naively optimistic or idealistic or anything, but it seems it seems like sometimes like certain. I mean, that's the whole point of Nephilim. Oh no, Nephilim. uh, uh, fallen angels and stuff like uh, in the book of Ezekiel, just, which just let me oh, go ahead. very yeah, simple. Yeah. You are a ruling class of any kind or administration or have some special responsibility. We understand reality is created by belief and perspective matters so much. Your core belief is people are bad and stupid and must be controlled and regulated. What kind of society is going to come from that? And that's, you know, <laughs> well, right. That's not a good one. I actually just saw a really good movie on Netflix. Um, it's kind of a heavy based on a true story. I had heard that the Oxford English Dictionary had been comprised by a madman, like a guy in an asylum. This is a Mel Gibson movie showing that um, uh, uh, process. It's really good. It's called The Professor and the Madman, I think, or something like that. And uh, like I just saw it just came out. Um, and that's a good example because people were doing psychological stuff given their limited understanding of reality. They were doing I, – I don't – it's a combination of ignorance and then like laziness or something. So it's like – you know, there's some Look, people again, like, Jim, the argument yeah. could be brought forward that I, if, if we say, and Vinay, I'd be interested in your view. Um, also, actually, Carrie Cassidy of Project Camelot, whom I really think is a great, amazing rabbit hole, um, brings this up a lot. That, and that's I, a huge rabbit hole. Yeah. And I, but I perfectly agree with her basic main point as to why this would happen. Spiritually, I would agree it's kind of ignorance, but that's just because of my laziness in terms of the negative polarization path and harvesting energies through all kinds of methods from others and controlling them, subduing them, uh, ruling by fear does work. And you can ascend in a sense through that. It's just super tedious. And so I would almost assume that many following that path, they really don't really understand that you can just tune up your own chakra system and anyhow you're immortal already. You can do all of those things without needing to harm anyone or siphon energy from anybody. So from that perspective, I could say, I would probably agree with you that many, many times people doing that are truly ignorant on a spiritual level. Um, maybe there are some, and there are, is some evidence for that to even know that there is this choice and still just say that's what they prefer. And then I guess it's always a question like from what would you call nefarious? You know, we could always go back and say, okay, it's a combination of belief systems. Um, and then of course it'd be interesting to see who of those really consciously chooses it or how many of them just really have been so heavily traumatized into a certain reality tunnel that they literally don't know any other way uh, to live, basically. 
Right. So like the example that comes to mind is like a parent, like not letting a kid cross the street. Like they're aware of certain details that maybe for whatever reason, and this gets tricky into you guys really quick and stuff, but it's like the, like the French revolution, which is kind of funny because I mean, there's a lot of levels to this, but it's like, that was pretty much like rioting and guillotining and it was pretty dark and scary. Um, so like there's better ways to do that instead of just like anybody do anything like total chaos ironic chaos magic is like can be problematic so i think what's happened is some people have found themselves either through secret societies initiations whatever sometimes not everybody um finds themselves in a steward position kind of a guide like like gandalf or something where it's like you silly hobbit you want to get out of your fucking hobbit hole and i know a way to make you do that but like it's not what you would choose to do normally. You don't want to go face a dragon on your own, but this is part of your story arc. So Bilbo, go do it or whatever. Um, maybe there's sometimes people like that in the system or whatever. And then there's probably also people who are just straight up like evil or whatever. And like, like Skeksis or, you know, Senator Palpatine or whatever, you know, people are just like, I want to watch you suffer. I find joy in this, like Draco Malfoy or um, Joffrey from game of Thrones, you know, just like twisted people. Uh, anyway, I'm rambling. Um, whoever wants to talk can well i think that they're actually that's like a really interesting question is like are there evil people and i feel like there are but there's a more interesting fact is like that there's they're not as common as just regular people that don't you know they just want to live their lives so we live in a, a, a world with a very skewed perspective because sort of like the narcissists are running the ship and we're we're all we they've taught us to look at the world at from their perspective and it's it's kind of you need me kind of thing uh, definitely that it's definitely gaslighting where you need me and it's like a, a level of gaslighting that goes over millennia which is kind of wild um well, that's whole Raphael's whole thing with um resets I mean, if you just look at the psychological damage of World War One and World War Two, it's like that fucked up an entire fucking people group of you know all over the world, and made them be like, well, like we we can't do that. We have to trust nation states or whatever. It's crazy. Oh my gosh, that's I feel like we're in that now where we're we're back to a a, a situation where we're being forced to trust the state. Are we really? I mean, forced. I don't think you can force anyone to trust anybody. To be honest. Well, it feels like um, I don't. I'm not a shepherd, but I think like one of the okay, even Jesus says like people like sheep or whatever. It's kind of funny. The sheep is the lamb is like one of the dumbest animals there are. And I'm not really hating on people because I think they have the capacity to be God at all times. But I think sometimes through ignorance, karma, whatever, we just turn off and go into autopilot. But the point is, um, in order to corral like some herd animals like cows sheep whatever like whether it's a dog barking at them or people you know driving a car and letting off explosions or whatever you create distractions that cause fear to make the herd go another way it's controlled chaos basically so it's like we know what we're doing on a higher plane but these things aren't playing the game at that level so you know they're going to take a hard right because they heard a big bang but that big bang was really us allowing the stock market to crash because we've been talking about this all year Bilderberg or whatever Yeah, I feel like we're definitely living in someone's play fiction. 
And I'm not sure. I mean, I, this gets tricky, but I mean, isn't the whole, because uh, I'm not into QAnon particularly, but I remember seeing something on the Cabal Must Fall or whatever that documentary was, where people were like hunting people as fun. It's kind of like the most dangerous game or Heart of Darkness kind of stuff. Um, oh, they were talking about that with Cheney's getting shot in the face accident. Right. Well, I don't know about that, but I mean, I remember that, but I don't didn't correlate that. The point is like, it might be much more of like a fucking Lord of the Flies, like we're on an island of, you know, like we've been told a certain thing and then we're just running Shigeki around. Shigeki no Kyojin. Yes, I just, I'm watching that final, uh, he's talking about Attack and Titan, right? <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that anime, uh, Vinay, it's really worth watching if you haven't. Oh yeah, I'm like a huge sci-fi nerd. I have probably read way too many science fiction books and watched way too many anime for any one human. <laughs> I'm kind and of even disappointed here... about the final season, I'll be honest, but go ahead, Raphael. I just started watching it, but even here it then be interesting given what we just talked about, and this is kind of switching topics again potentially, but then also kind of filtering out because even let's just take Dune, one of my favorites, and I haven't read so much, but Dune is like, I was like, wow. I was on my book. I have the book. I haven't read it. Uh, I was actually uh, reading it while I was a conscript, funnily enough, technically guarding a military object or whatever you want to call it. Oh, Anyways. Yeah, funny. But so I had a great story. (laughs) Yeah, no, almost. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, We can get into that another point, another time. But what he's talking about also is the Missionaria Protectiva, which is kind of like they seeded planets where they would think that they may have sentient life at some point with something akin to a Bible. But in their case, it was the Missionaria Protectiva, which means that if ever anyone from their planet would, or their sect actually in this case, then they also do genetic manipulation and basically try to create the Moshiach. But anyways, um, many great things entangled here. But so if anyone would ever get lost anywhere, because the native peoples uh, have been indoctrinated into that uh, dogma, basically, uh, anyone who would get lost would know what to say or what to do or how to present themselves. So they would be recognized that basically their savior or whatever, and uh, they would, they'd be cool. So what I just want to say is that, of course, um, it's kind of, I guess, takes a lot of discernment to be able to discriminate what is like real information, because as we know, oftentimes a lot of information, and we spoke about this on Team Rabbit Hole a lot, contained in pop art or whatever, or popular culture is super relevant and partially quite accurate but then you know where's the spin what are the parts that are missing uh and so on and so forth so it's quite an interesting process to discriminate through that both logically but i would suggest most importantly really through one's own intuition and heart and gut sense so what's interesting about that is i feel like the universe is actually gaslighting us a little bit with with what's going on um, we were talking about astral projections earlier, and um, I got pretty depressed at some at this point a couple of years ago, and I started drinking pretty heavily, but also meditating a lot at the same time. I know that probably sounds weird, but um, I came up with a strange meditation technique. I actually, it came from me listening to Eckhart Tolle doing The Power of Now, except I kind of took it. A step further based on some channelings because you were you were talking about um Rafael uh Bashar and I was reading some channelings from Hathor and mostly the channelings from that were meditation techniques and so basically I 
as like Eckhart Tolle kind of explains, is that, you know, you have this kind of storm around you and you can and they're your thoughts and you can stop them. But you can take this a step further where you stop them and you move them down through your chakras. And so now you're you're moving the energy through your, your body and you can move most of your thoughts down through your chakras until there's nothing remaining but the thing that was observing the thoughts. And if you move that down to through your chakras, when it gets to your heart, you will have a DMT release. Uh, it's pretty intense. Uh, what I saw was what the wheel within wheel type thing. And it was basically the universe sort of showing me, I don't know, I, I guess I've been always debating whether we have free will or destiny. And oh, I think probably. that it's, I think the destiny thing is stronger than the free will thing. I don't know. That's what I saw, but I always feel like we're getting gaslit. So we, we see what we need to see and what we have. It's kind of also what you were saying with um, overloading your mind. We also see what we have the ability to, to, to incorporate without breaking our brains. I think Bashar talks about it. Raphael would know more that he was saying something to the effect of work. We're living in a projection of light from a future position. Like there isn't, I don't, you know what I'm talking about, Raphael, where it's like, we're just going through the movie of life. So we might feel like we have some free will, like we can maybe wiggle our toe and this and that and the other, but ultimately like we have, it's almost like live, die, repeat. It's like there's certain, or, you know, day after tomorrow in America. Um, I think so it's I got a weird thing about precognitive dreams to, to bust our, Skulls open this. Yeah, do it. Okay, so we're going Crystal back to another skullers. cousin. There's some weird people in my family. It's definitely a family of witches, I think. So I have another cousin who, uh, this is such an interesting story that it, it makes me, it made me rethink what, what the difference between what kind of precognitive dreams I was having and how it affected my life versus other people. So she had a dream that her dad got in an accident on the Indian festival of Diwali, um, which is happens here at the end of the, in the fall. And uh, she kept having this dream. And so she discussed it with her, her dad and her mom. And she was like, I don't think he should go to work this day. And when the day came, he, he went to work, but she got in the car with him. And he did end up getting in a huge accident. But in her dream, he died. And in reality, I guess since she got in the car with him, she changed the future because they both lived. So, I mean, whatever people can believe or not believe this, I don't, I believe it because it's my cousin and I don't think she would, she would misdirect me on this one because she seemed quite troubled by it too. But I feel like, the wiggle room that we have in the world or universe's destiny is stronger than just our toes. But I don't know why it's there because what I saw was that mostly what we're living in is a system sort of like a machine and the machine, I think the purpose is to evolve us. It makes me think a little of video games like Mario, the original Mario, where it's like, you've got to go to the right. You can't go backwards. You don't have to hit every mushroom and get every gold coin. You don't even have to get the flag at the end well for an extra thousand points. 
so but the, so there's like wiggle room within it that has effect but ultimately there's a flow of a script that is like non-negotiable you have a timer you're going right you can't go backwards you see what i mean like i think it's kind of like that Raphael, what are your I, thoughts i mean i think the, the super mario analogy is a great one and just recently i posted this that apparently the aminata mushroom can create these effects of everything appearing to be much smaller so just, <laughs> i just drink mario super mario is incredible I think that's a good uh, reference, actually, like a Super Mario level and just the way you described it, because it also includes the idea that um, like variability is a possibility. It's yeah, not like well, you like can evade some thing. enemies, you know, you can collect more or less coins, you can get into the tube or not, you know, so right. you have some options there. So and how Bouchard the tube is it for the record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Salvia. It comes with a guide. Oh, we should talk about Salvia if you want. We will. Well, sure. Raphael, so, your thought. Yeah, so how Bouchard describes it is just he says you set yourself up in a life to go through certain team, themes, like you're going down a hallway, and you're certainly by the end of your life going to arrive at the end. If you don't, maybe short-circuit suicide. That could be, in a sense, uh, not really a cop-out, but then you have to, re to repeat, most likely. But anyways, um, so you will go down that hallway, but if you crawl, if you run, if you laugh, if you cry, it's entirely up to you. And if I consider that idea, I would say I'm perfectly fine with that, especially if I understand that it's not any really external entity that condemned me to this particular path, but it just was me myself in a very wise and smart uh, and loving decision, choosing that this is what I want to experience or learn or catalyze right now. And to me, that, that makes sense. And Salvia, or in terms of mentioning it as a machine, because that relates, we can talk about Salvia experiences. Um, is another perspective maybe that you may see it as a machine, but it may well look like a machine from a very high vantage point. Whereas for us, it's, you know, super complex and very organic and so on. I guess it really very much, as always, you know, uh, depends on perspective. That's what I kind of mean. We, I feel like when you see things like that, um, though it looks like a machine, that's just the right. the most relevant like metaphor that the, the 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 thing that we're interacting with on a conscious level can give to us in a visual format two things real quick and we could talk about salvia all day although i've never done it i've done it once and didn't have an effect so i can't relate to it much but two things got it you guys have to watch the movie soul like it keeps coming up and i'm it sounds like i'm promoting it or something but this is addressed in that where basically there's like souls that are created and then they get like imprinted with personality and then they get basically to choose before they go to earth school they're like well, go into this hallway i'm kind of spoiling it. it was like go into this hallway and find something um well there's kind of a few things like you can go into a hallway and it's called finding your spark which is kind of like your highest excitement your joy right your purpose kind of but not really um and it's like you're going to find something that like you want to experience in life. So that's what you, and it turns you on and then you jump that, that gives you the permission slip to go to earth at all. Like until you find your joy, you can't go. That's like one of the weird moments of the movie. But anyway, so it seems like that's kind of what it is where it's like, you're we're in life maybe for a few reasons. Like you've wanted to have a certain experience, like a heartbreak even, or, you know, um, just crazy shit. Like, you know, like being around during the Aeon shift or whatever, like it's not. I don't. I don't know if it's so micromanaged as like every moment has potent meaning. It's kind of like just like we we're saying with Mario. Um, like you know, it, you can go for the best time. You can go for the highest points. You can go. You know, you can try to get as close to the zero 
time as possible, right? Like there's a lot of ways to play the game, but um, that's one thing that I was saying. It's so it's, this is a movie soul. You guys have to watch it. It's on Disney plus. I'm sure you can stream it illegally somewhere else or whatever, but it just came out. Have you guys seen, seen the expanse? No. Is that a sci-fi show? Yeah. yeah it's I'm actually an it, awesome actually, book yeah. series. Okay. Awesome. So in it, um, Oh man, I don't want to give up. Well, let's just go ahead and go to it. So in it, they end up in a, in a place or a reality where it's basically dictated by an AI that can control the laws of physics and some other things. It sounds like Westworld. Yeah, I, Westworld was weird. I tried to watch it, but um, I don't know if you got the weird dark vibes out of it. <laughs> I did not. I only saw the first season. Anyway, Expanse, the Expanse, go for it. Oh, it was just the idea that we do in something that's interacting with us. I mean, in, in the show, they had to go someplace for it to kind of bring this metaphor out. But I think it applies to our reality is that we live in something that we're interacting with. I, I mean, I um, would completely agree just to I mean, poise, uh, ask the question straight away. Well, who or what could that be? So I think it's a mystery. And what's interesting, I don't know if you guys, I don't know how you got how much you guys are into sci-fi, but there's there's like an, a, a story. There's one story that happens in a lot of sci-fi. And it's really interesting. It's not one story, but... A theme. A, a lot of sci-fi authors have done the story of aliens, or aliens, us, or a being crashing on a planet. And then taking what they knew from their civilization, which was limited and trying to create a society, which is really interesting. If you look at our earth or even the like Vedic religion, where they're sort of talking about these beings from space that came and brought us all this knowledge. And I wonder, you know, I wonder, you know, we were talking about channeling in music, but I feel like almost all writing and literature is a form of channeling when you get into these like pretty complex stories where i mean are these people coming up with it or are they or are they just picking up on waves and just like we're writing these songs they're the ones that it comes through wouldn't surprise me i mean there's lots of sci-fi kind of examples rick and morty i've only seen so many episodes but it's like you know simulations within simulations within simulations kind of thing it might be infinitely regressive. And, it might and, be benign. It might just be observing to see what consciousness does. Say that Go for it. In line with what we had just discussed, we should then only take into consideration the particular perspective of frequency of those authors and therefore the frequency range within which they will what are they even to capable of experiencing yeah. any stories and how they will interpret it. And then, you know, potentially also whatever agendas uh, the financiers may have, again, in potentially switching certain vital details or so on and so forth. Because I kind of see, as I said, both happening disclosure and also lots of kind of, in my view, let's just say highly questionable ideas, just like with Expanse. I mean, I like it. It's a decent sci-fi show and has a few cool concepts. But for example, it's like, I mean, to me, I only have to smile when I see them flying around in rocket ships and so on. To me, that's completely ludicrous. But, you know, whatever. That's the... You oh, know, it's the, actually supposed to be hard science fiction where they live in... Exactly. That's what they call they that hard science. Yeah, yeah. They don't exactly, have, like, yeah. magic warp drives that, like, stop gravity so that... Chakramobile? Come on. <laughs> well, you call it magic, but, I mean, it's it, it's just different type, of, in my view, of course, just different technology. But I just want to point out that here again, you know, different authors or whatever may propose 
different variants uh, of the future. And there is a few of them where I would say we're certainly in a sense being baited, but I, at least I see it as complete dead ends and like jokes actually. Um, but that's just my perspective, of course. Raphael is really pushing the, uh, well, he's not really pushing, but he tends to prefer the story, I guess, that like scarcity is bullshit. Like combustion mechanics are stupid. Why are not we just that, that, but if you want to get anywhere, bullshit. which one? <laughs> scarcity is bullshit. Even right, but the, the main thing, just very briefly, and let you respond. When I get it, is this, this idea with uh, if you really want to get somewhere, even if you really take it all seriously and approach it, if you want from a science perspective. I mean, to me, these things never made sense ever since playing Moonlander or something, which is pretty hard. Yeah, um, but then, like for any practical purposes, if you would really try to translate what they're proposing to out there, I'm like, this is super insecure, super flickery, and like. Oh my God, like no one would ever be safe. So it means clear that we need some other type of technology, both in terms of propulsion and all kinds of things that is not have usually heavily promoted, at least in the so-called hard science, uh, science fiction. My favorite Hi. sci-fi is 2001 A Space Odyssey. I don't know if you guys ever read that book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude, because if you're just going to take out, just make it, a, I mean, I'm not a material reductionist, but if you want to just be a hard sci-fi kind of person, it's like, oh, shit. Like, if you touch the monolith, you evolve, and if you don't, you don't. And that, that progression happens all the way to the moon, and that moon takes you to Jupiter, and then it's like this orboral feedback loop. It's kind of crazy. Anyway, um, I can't speak much. you know the story much. of Salvia? The story of Salvia? No. Okay, so it's really a bizarre story because you're like, what? I don't believe you. And I don't believe it myself. You mean like a trip report or how it came about? How it came about. So apparently in Oaxa, Mexico or wherever, where it's from, um, it didn't show up until like the late 1800s where all of a sudden it started going and it's only native to there and the people from there, so this is the the mythology, say that it's not an ancient plant to them. It's a freshy fresh. I think it's Awaka. I think the X is silent, but I'm not a Spanish speaker, so I don't know. Um, that's also where magic mushrooms are a big deal, actually, culturally down there. So I'm they're saying, my oh, I don't give a shit, dude. I'm just for for any, no hablo, but for anybody who does know, I think it's Awaka. Anyway, um, I could be wrong. Shit, watch me be totally wrong and I'm correcting you incorrectly. But uh, so what? They're saying it was like a recently dropped off like item? It, it, <laughs> So it showed up, and this is this is where it's just becomes so fictional. Where you're like, "Well, I don't know if I believe it," but what happened to me on it was quite crazy. So, so apparently, it just showed up in a crater, and then uh, some Western botanists were the first ones to really like push it, or not push it, but like look into it. And they were asking the locals, and they're like, "We don't really know much about this. It just sort of showed up, and and now it's kind of a weird." drug in the culture where people talk about it and people who do it for fun seem to not have that much fun but if you sit by yourself in a well, room sounds horrifying and, for the record every report i've ever heard is like this is not recreational sounding oh hell no so what happened to me <laughs> what had happened is i was sitting i was um meditating in the middle of my room and smoking lots of salvia and all of a sudden this voice popped in my head and started telling me to breathe at a certain rate it told me that i'm gonna have to 
learned to fall and then i got like the tequila spins from hell at which point i was like no no stop and then i was like well she said to learn to fall so i spun with it and then i met this spirit called the green lady um if you look on the erowid drug archive erowid sorry erowid e-r-o-w-i-d it's a dope site a lot of drug trip reports a lot of doses yeah so so there's a lot of people who mention the green lady and they she's kind of uh i don't know she's a thing she's an archetype she's an archetype she's kind of mean and nice at the same time i felt um, 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 an immense amount of love from her and also uh kind of this big big empress energy where she don't take no shit at all um so she showed me the re- structure of the universe in imagery which i could never explain to anyone um but it was basically cool as shit <laughs> But then Any I chance was at 64 tetrahedrons intersecting? <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh... Yeah, it's, it's basically <laughs> that. It's basically that. But I came back, so I did it again. And uh, this is when it gets, you know, it gets curious because she was like, hey, get the fuck out of here. You're not, uh, you haven't done and, you know, really processed what I, what I showed you before. And she ended the trip immediately. And I was completely in my body, totally... Sober? Afterwards, Damn. and I was like, whoa. And that kind of limited me doing a lot of psychedelics. Not because I was afraid of them, because I was like, wow, I'm not really integrating the lessons that I need to be as I do them. So, you know, I guess a word to the wise is if you want to get to the high places, sometimes you got to take a break. Oh, I most definitely agree with that. I'm curious, Rafael, about your Salvia experiences, if you can relate, because I had the similar thing happen to me on DMT. Um, I can explain that in a minute. There's, I mean, in terms of, I I was always wondering about this. I think there's some images by, of course, I don't know whom, a visionary artist, which is like this white plastic looking lady. Her I saw a few times, but more, more like dosed, let's say. Um, and this also associated usually, you know, with these like bright colors and like chakra, chakra colored, you know, orbs flying around, you know, almost like a video game or something really strange. So Green Lady, I can say my experience with Salvia, I believe I had shared before. And for me, I could totally believe that this just basically manifested because it was necessary now. Although, was there any actually just to make sure, was there any part missing of the story of how it came about? Um, I mean... <clears throat> the only part I would want to expound upon is that um, there was definitely a spirit guiding me through what was happening as far as telling, keeping me calm. Um, she even was specifically talking about heart rate and breath rate. It was quite, it's it was awesome. kind of unnerving in that, you know, I've never had something like, tell me to calm down and start breathing and and pay attention to my heart and was it visual or just like a a presence i can't describe it it was definitely i know ineffable is hard but try (laughs) as much as you can yeah but i mean all i can say is um, i think it's just great that first of all you you went there like you were bold enough and then you totally uh, took on the message i think that's awesome and i mean i love your story to me it's you know, not surprising at all. And just again shows that these things 
they're here for a reason and uh, yeah they can literally teach you <laughs> and it does sound like a lot of empress energy to the degree that it's like you were guided with um like i mean like you're saying like strong feminine energy it's like i want to nurture you but don't cross the line it was definitely she had that kind of just like very strict like okay you're here and now this is my realm and you're gonna follow the rules while you're here it's and... my party you're gonna do what i say <laughs> so rafael i mean you don't have to repeat the whole story because i think with uh dave santucci we talked about this but any kind of parts of your salvia experience you want to recant well, basically, or recount, not recant. It wouldn't be singing then. Um, so, <laughs> simply put, on that particular, let's say, modality, yeah, it's definitely not recreational. And uh, and if one does it, it's even legal in many countries still, I believe. So then the idea is, of course, you know, set and setting all these things. Check out Arrowhead. Know what you're doing. It's definitely not just for fun. Um, and it's kind of feels heavy a bit on the body. I felt like I was being squashed by a car, like like a car tire on my face. Um, pretty so funny. So that was the test. Um, right. So what she told let me, me just is you have let to me just continue. Let me just continue. Yeah. So um, and then what I where I went pretty much immediately is I was in a room which was like a matrix uh, architect room, and I saw all these screens and they were like reality frames of me being in my room like like a camera being installed there or something and as i knew what i was doing and could relate to what i was seeing i was just very amused and so i was just laughing and switching back and forth between what i would call like you know operator's view or a variant of a higher self view and uh, being in the body so i just had a great deal of fun actually i was laughing like for minutes <laughs> what were you gonna say Vinay? Oh, I totally spaced. I was really enjoying like, that's what it was. Uh, she <laughs> said this. You talked about the test okay. first. When I was with, oh, when I talked okay. about the tire. Yeah, so I got you got the feelings quashed. I got I, I got I got felt like I was spinning like crazy. And um I went with it. I fell through the planet. And once I fell through the planet, I like came out through the earth on the other side of the earth and flew out into space where I ended up, which is really, this is really odd that you said like matrix, like architecture. I ended up somewhere there. And what's really odd is the second time I did it, where she said, Hey, you didn't learn what I, what I was telling you. I was in a train station and it felt like a waiting room, like the, the scene in the, the matrix with the Oracle. And it was very odd that you said that because the whole experience to me was very, very much like the movie The Matrix. Well, I wonder where they got all their ideas from, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's even, as you may know, different people claiming they wrote the scripts. And I believe that many of them don't actually claim any psychedelic experiences or channeling. I think, I think maybe channeling more than psychedelics. Um, but it's definitely interesting to see then again how it's all related and what I would just like to repeat, it's always so relevant to also everyone listening to those who, whom you can trust with to talk about these things and just realize there are so many similarities. There's really, at least together, it's just perfectly blatantly obvious to me. There's some things we can map or at least start to figure out more. 
so basically we can explore more right and understand you know how getting past the train station how to pass certain tests just like you mentioned this is almost now i'm thinking of this for some reason so although i almost never did that but it's almost like planning for a, a raid in world of warcraft or something you know like you have your strategy you map it out and then it can be easier for others not to follow the same path but just start navigating these realms just like you're learning how to sail or i don't know what like i said i've never had that experience on uh salvia but on dmt i'll briefly get into it smoke some dmt had heard some terrence mckenna kind of speeches or whatever blasted through my crown chakra and then i was all of a sudden open-eyed in like the hall of mott or something with all this Enochian kind of writing everywhere. Basically dealt with like Anubis or Set or Horus or some Egyptian deity dude. And then that went over to a feminine kind of like Mott, Sophia, Shekinah energy and had a Kundalini activation. That was the first time. The next time I did it, I talked to a praying like a week later. I was like, I want to do that again. And I did it and I talked to a man did it. And he was like, kind of cockblocked me like you were saying. He's like, you said basically you haven't integrated this in uh, not only was he getting it theological he's like you said you're a christian you're not supposed to be here but um it felt like i hadn't learned the lesson yet or something and i was like process what you've gotten don't just keep coming back kind of thing i think that's a very fascinating aspect of i mean like I, you have the same experience that's really weird but also kind of amazing uh, the fact that there's like kind of rules to this is very interesting Right, which is tricky because I think that plays not against what I think Raphael would presume, but sometimes Raphael, when you're talking about these things, it's like anything's possible. Like even the Empress card, everything is possible. So it's like, why are some things not possible? What subconsciously in me is not allowing me to go through this? Is it part of my mammal, my mammal brain? My prefrontal cortex can't process this data right now? Is this like not my karmic trip? Like it gets tricky. Uh, you're an instrument being tuned. Yeah, and they're like, we want like standard tuning, not open G. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. So anyway, um, kind of curious, Raphael, what do you think about that? Like, how do you jive that? Like, given what we both said, is that us dealing with our own karma slash projections? Or how do you look at like prohibition from a psychedelic realm? Well, <clears throat> I would say again, there is no one else. Uh, it's a holodeck. So we cockblocked that... ourselves, Vinay. Of course. Of course. Of course. Maybe. What other force could there be? And for good reason. And, you know, to, and just to take a different, maybe more interesting path or whatever, you know, that's the way I see it. And, but then again, it's not like because of this, you are now disempowered because now basically you know what to do and you will do something and then you can go further. You know, it's not like it's really a block, is it? That's true. Have you ever done ayahuasca, Vene? No, not yet. Neither have I. Rafa has, so I can't speak on that. But that seems like a kind of a longer form, more controllable is not the right word, but more like processable sound seeming situation. Well, simply put, if you have a bit more time because you're just locked into the frequency for a few hours, then it's it's not, I, it's hard to describe as always ineffable, but generally speaking, you could say you just have more time to process and more stuff to look at and more time to contemplate or something like that. That's what's up. So we've got a couple more minutes left, Vinay. Uh, is there anything pressing on your mind? Not specifically. I feel like maybe we should discuss about how we're talking how we can all 
we are the way we are looking at reality uh affects it and we live in a world where it wants us to look at reality very negatively and i think that that is part of the <clears throat> magical gesh we live in and when i say gesh i'm talking about a spell that is like a story someone writes a story of things they want to happen not just like a list of what i want but a complex story and they charge it with events in reality and also creating places using um, geomancy, also art, to kind of influence all of this um, in a way where it's putting louche or whatever you want to call it, energy, into the story that they have created for us to play out. And you think this tends to be a negative story? Not for them. It's it's, uh, it's, uh, it's entertaining. I like I guess. Us and them. I'm just saying a, a a certain group was figured out magic on a level that we don't quite understand. And it, I, magic is a weird word to use because you call it meditation or intention or a lot of different words, but it's definitely using the power of your mind to manipulate. Well, but this also includes the realization ultimately that you create your own story. And that's the whole, let's say, point of understanding metaphysics, as I see it, is that you you understand you are the creator, you are the author, and you do not need to subscribe to any story of anyone, especially if it's not to your preference. And I would agree, those stories are being put out all the time in all variants of psychological operations against i don't know what the human population or evolution or just as the infinite litmus test of whether we're finally getting it um but you know we can make up our own stories and there's plenty very positive stories going around as well i would say no i think synchronicity is our indicator we wanted to talk about synchronicity and you can talk about it we'll end it on synchronicity i think it's here to teach us us as being people who weren't in that magical system, our own magical systems. So we can manipulate reality in a positive direction. And the only way, since I guess at some point in history, all our great teachers were slowly either taken out or hidden away to where we have to become our own great teachers and experience reality for ourselves through psychedelic means or other methods to learn to control our inner energy so we can manifest reality that we are you playing with an abacus no <laughs> it sounded like you were doing math or something no it's funny because i was fidgeting oh well that happens so it's funny um but it sounded like you were like it ironically synchronicity uh abacus plays a lot uh, not a lot. It's a theme, and even in the credits uh, animation of Soul, check out Soul. You'd think I was on the staff. <laughs> okay, okay, it's like crazy. Okay. Uh, tell me what you guys think on that. Um, but what you're saying with synchronicity, it reminds me a little of Neverending Story, the movie, right? Where it's like we're reading the story, but we've forgotten we're in it, right? That's the whole kind of point. And then, like at the end, it's like Bastion. Oh my God, help! It's you. And it's like that's gnosis. Like when you pop through, and you're just like, oh fuck, fourth wall. It's not really there. It was. It was there for me. It's monkey bars for me to play on from an angle. Um, and we could just write off on Falcor. 
Yeah, we're being tuned. But in a weird way, it's never out of tune. That's what, it, it gets tricky because, I mean, that gets hard with morality and, like, what what do we do about Hitler's, or, you know, all this kind of stuff, black holes. But um, it even just like we were talking about with uh, Jamie Janover, like, it's toroidal. So it seems like for every action, there's an equal opposite reaction. I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Tenet, um, but there's, like, forward-moving and backward-moving universes kind of interrelating at that level time, operating in both directions. Um, and having consequences in a story. It's probably more radical and weird. The, it's, it's as radical and weird as we want it to be. Inception, Tenet, you know, Inside Out, all these movies, uh, Never Ending Story, The Matrix, all these movies do a good job of trying to tell from various perspectives. And it seems um, astrology charts and gene keys and certain things are kind of filters that our Dreamweavers are particular snowflake Dreamweavers. So it's like my dream is going to be a little different than your dream, even though we're all dreaming the same dream. And I guess my hope is that it's benign or positive forces ultimately and not just chaotic negative ones. Um, but who knows, I guess. Who made it end upon ultimately? I, you would say me, but I mean, sometimes this is where the solipsistic kind of I am God thing. I don't cross that threshold fully because I'm like, I'll see when I get there. I don't want to presume that now and then have some like damnable sin on my mouth where it's like, oh, I was saying I was the CEO and I was actually just the janitor. Who am I kidding? Um, so, but I think we have a lot more power than we're, I was going to say bred, but cultured to believe. And just because you point out that analogy, that is exactly the analogy that Michael Tessarian uses in a slightly different concept. However, he's saying that the janitor is the ego mind and the higher mind's understanding uh, is the CEO and they kind of switch position and the janitor thought he has to run the show and got super stressed and, you know, got a nervous breakdown. And uh, it's time to get the real CEO back in place, which is, you know, intuition, or as he likes to call it, the imperial self. Um, however, Jim, I'm not, it's not that it is even possible to push anyone into any realization. Um, again, I would just say, even from a practical perspective, it absolutely makes no sense if you would, if you again understand that belief creates reality, at least you must contain the possibility or the imagination that you could be that. Otherwise, you, you can never uh, see it. And then again, if one understands the ideas of golden rule and these polarizations, then even if, I mean, talk with Jesus or someone and ask him, he would take no issue with that because he's the one that's telling you the works I can do, you can do, and greater. Well, Right, but that's influence in the matrix versus ontological identification as matrix creator versus like participant. It gets tricky. I don't know. I've experienced some things at various times that make me more submissive to authority in a hierarchical spiritual format. And to th- and, but then, you know, discussions like we have on episode 200 are like, yeah, we're all holographically entangled and the one is in the all, the all is in the one. There so is, it gets tricky. There is a hierarchy and all of that. I completely agree. And I'm the first one to submit if it is a true spiritual hierarchy in a sense. And even just for the, we did a reading with Brian, Wizard of Odd for next year. And this was the angel that come up, came up 33 angel of subordination to higher order yeah this can mean a lot of different things again depending on your perspective yeah that's um, for next year that's not <laughs> that feels well, odd what, what, oh, shit. again what does that mean exactly and this very much depends uh, on one's perspective so again i'm the first one to submit to that if it is a real you know spiritual order and hierarchy the question i'm asking is am i aware simultaneously that that let's say real true 
golden age, whatever spirit teacher uh, wants to benevolently uh, allow me to partake in, do I understand that beneath the mask, it is again me, it is again my self-reflection, which again, all the metaphysical teachings are saying. So yeah, it's this and that. Well, Vinay, are there any kind of parting thoughts? I think synchronicity is like the GPS. I do agree. Where it's like that pings you into a direction. The more syncs you see, the more you should pay attention. Um, the problem is sometimes we expect it. I think synchronistics are like, oh my God, if I don't see it, my life is pointless. It's like it's a pendulum. Sometimes, you know, to every season there's a, you know, or things are a season. So sometimes it's winter and you might get one or sink in a decade or something. The other times it's like, I can't not see all the patterns. Oh, Yeah. Definitely don't ever feel discouraged. Uh, that definitely, I feel like, opens up to a lot of people on the magical path. And relying on them is you becoming reliant on something outside of yourself. Uh, if I have any advice for anyone, uh, any lucid dreamers out there, you should learn to meditate in your dreams. That is how you will go into immediate astral projection. Uh, it's not super easy to lose a dream and also once you're there you know you kind of want to have a lot of fun and fly around but maybe take a moment and chill out i will try that that's interesting advice we'll have to get you back on here vinay with some other people yourself whatever's clever get some magical people up in here and get these muggles woke or whatever oh, that was myself. awesome i want to talk about michael serian or anything that was totally fun oh great um, totally fun you guys are <laughs> You guys are awesome. Uh, this is stuff I love talking about, but don't have many people to talk about, but have definitely spent many, many, many years deep into it. Well, what a coincidence that our path shall cross, right? Sure, if you Some... believe in coincidences. <laughs> yes, someday call it synchronicity. Well, perfect. Uh, thank you so much. That's exactly right. We find the others out here, guys. It's a fun fucking shooting gallery. Like, uh, let's duck hunt, I guess. Like, let's have some sink hunts. It's dope. Yeah, Vinay, we'll have to get you on but, uh, with some other people or yourself again. Go down. I haven't seen much to Syrian, so I'll have to check it out. Um, I really enjoyed really this enjoy group format, so other people would be fine. Oh, of course. You're a third house Aquarius, son. No doubt. Uh, so, yeah, we'll get you involved on that front. But otherwise, yeah, guys, just uh, keep your eyes peeled for angels among us we're all here riding you know walking each other home so try to fucking find your crew i mean wolverine is not storm is not professor x but they're all in a mission <laughs> and they need magneto to have a purpose so it's like we're all in this dream together let's just do this shit find the dreamers is that waking life reference yeah oh one of my favorite films uh, that's one i should push as much as i push soul today but uh waking life dope as fuck <laughs> dolphin Lane, i'm gonna watch the lives do it, do it. All right, gentlemen. Uh, any parting thoughts, Raphael? No, that was great. Thank you so much, and thank you for listening. Vinay, any comments on this last track we're outdoing with? It's yours. Everybody have a happy new year and realize that this is the first time in history so many people have been awake at once. <laughs>
Rádio Pokémon.